Welcome to the podcast. It's Europe Calling with Vince and Barbara Ann. The 10th of July, 2023. Okay, for those that maybe are listening for the first time, we're looking at the newspapers. Uh, We'll start off looking at the headlines and then uh, look into some of the depth at some of the stories that are um, hitting the headlines here in the United Kingdom and Spain. Uh, Let me tell you, our weather is hot. It's very hot. But then again, the 10th of July is when you'd expect it to be hot. And um, it's a question of how you deal with it. So, Barbara Ann, how are you today? Hi, hello, Vince. Hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm fine. Um, as you say, it's hot, but uh, this is what we expect now for the next uh, at least two months, maybe even going into the beginning of September. But you do live differently. You do as much as you can in the mornings, um, have a rest and siesta, as they say. And then you go out and have a walk on the beach or you do something in the evening. So uh, it's not bad. Okay, so we'll have a look then at uh, what's making the news, what's making the headlines as we start off looking at today's uh, newspapers. Okay, so the first story is uh, not absolutely uh, trailblazing, but it's a picture of um, something that you see all the time. And you do realise, think to yourself, just how much sillier can this get? As a Pamplona bull runner tries to film a selfie and immediately gets smashed by a bull. So taking part in the San Fermin uh, Bull Running Festival in the north of Spain in the city of Pamplona, uh, the man uh, whipped out the phone to film himself making a run for it. With the bull scene charging on behind him, the man appeared to take a severe knock as the camera tumbled to the floor out of focus uh, as screams continued to erupt around him. The runner appeared not to be seriously injured as he recovered, getting back to his feet and continuing to run away from the bull. Okay, uh, this business of selfies, I really can't get my head around some of this to have somebody... Um, in a da- it's a dangerous situation. People don't seem to think and they don't seem to understand that a, a, a massive bull running at you is uh, likely to kill you no matter what. Um, not my idea of having fun, but I mean, you know, I'd be a killjoy if I'm um, probably criticising. But what do you think? Well, 
uh, firstly, to take to take a, sel- a selfie, sorry, with your back to a, a bull running towards you is a little bit stupid anyway. I've got nothing against taking selfies, but um, they just seem to be a little bit boring for me. It's sort of um, taking a selfie of yourself all the time. Uh, doesn't really interest me. Um, maybe it's a young, uh, an old thing that uh, we don't like seeing ourselves on photos as much as young people. But you can only take so many selfies, surely. But uh, I think that's the way the way the world is at the moment. Well, we didn't grow up with selfies, so you know it. It now becomes very uh, difficult for me anyway. I don't like taking photographs of myself. Never well, have I done. Particularly it's a bit boring that you're taking a selfie of yourself all the time. I mean, I think it's a little bit of uh, what's the word? In, um, you know, to glamorise yourself all the time. You know, think mm. you're. But there's nothing wrong with this, but I just don't see the point of somebody taking a selfie of themselves, especially over and over again. I mean, you're not going to change that much, are you? You know. Okay, I thought it was just me. So um, in this case, maybe it isn't. Let's go to the next one and uh, see what we've got for you on this one. Okay, so the BBC have got uh, things uh, that are going to develop, obviously, over the uh, probably the next couple of hours. Uh, A couple of days ago, uh, they were talking about an unnamed broadcaster. Uh, This person has finally been suspended by the corporation. Uh, uh, This has been two months after a complaint was first made by and again it's the usual alleged victims family one senior bbc news journalist has told the newspaper i'm reading we are all really worried about this mess obviously everyone knows who the presenter is so that's one thing uh, so you think by now it sort of would have leaked would out have leaked um but the presenter in question is very in with the management We are all so sick and tired that these people are protecting their friend at the expense of the integrity of the BBC. Now, the corporation's production staff, both on TV and radio, are leaving space in their schedules in case he names himself. Uh, This is all what the papers are saying, and it's only a claim that this has happened. It came as the broadcaster at the heart of the scandal alleged phoned the youngster after he was exposed last week, he reportedly demanded, what have you done? This is in the call. And also asked his alleged victim to ring their mother to persuade her to stop the investigation as he began to panic. The BBC say it can only come from him and has put him under massive pressure to speak. He is lawyered up to the max. <laughs> Again, this is the way the papers write these things these days. A lot of BBC execs are blaming him for the chaos at the weekend because he was keeping his head down and refusing to be identified, another source said. Um, I don't know about you. I'm not what I'm really uh, can honestly say. I'm particularly overly interested in this. But it's just that, you know, it appears in the newspapers. It's been on the news bulletins. Apparently, it's been going on since the beginning of May. And the whatever was alleged at the beginning of May has now changed to something else. And to do with um, lewd pictures or something like that. What's your thoughts? 
Well, um, the last time I saw anything on the news, they said he was, um, the, whoever it is, is uh, 17. Um, the thing, that, first thing that springs to my mind is why did he um, consent to do it anyway in the first place? Um, he must have some sort of either relationship with the presenter or he knows him personally. It's not a random, a random thing. Um, but then if he's... Um, committed or he's accepted to do these random uh, lewd photographs on his camera why then has he done suddenly done a u-turn again is money involved to keep um, people quiet but it looks like everybody seems to know except the public but I, as you say um, it's just another thing that um, they try to keep these sort of things secret from the general public uh, it just amazes me that somebody, obviously, with a good job, good position, good money, can even sort of lower himself or herself if it was a girl. No, it's, it's saying himself. All right, all right, then a man to lower himself to uh, to do something like this. You know, it's uh, it's just always amazes me the way they let themselves down. I I'm not for a minute going to defend somebody uh, involved with lewd uh, lewd photographs or anything, but one thing that does interest me is um, it's a bit like having your cake and eat it. You want to be seventeen, and so you've got your all the. Th I'm only surmising. This is not in the papers or anything. This is me thinking about the way I look at people behave. You know, if you're seventeen, to me, that means you can be old enough to work. Okay, you might be at school still, I don't know. But, I mean, if you are old enough to work, then, to me, you are old enough to be making the sort of decisions which should be, very quickly, I don't want to be anything involved in anything like this. Yeah, but, as I say, we, we, you, you presume that he wasn't, um, uh, you know, pushed into doing it or threatened into doing it, um, and he's told his parents... But why did he do it in the first place? He's, as you say, he's 16. The age of consent well, is... 17 on this one. Yeah, but mm. at 16, the age of consent is that you can have sex. So I don't really understand um, why it's all blowing up. Well, I would imagine... Look, they want to discredit everything in Britain at the moment. So the BBC is one of the older institutions and, you know, it's been around since about 1922 or something like that. So let's have a go at the BBC this next couple of days. I mean, I see it. It's like a it's like a um, money go round or sort of a, a part of the institution go round. What, uh, what uh, is the next scandal? But uh, as, as I said, if he's got the age of consent and he's he's. Um, He's done it, and he's willingly done it on a phone. He hasn't, as far as we know, done it um, anywhere else. I don't really understand why. what's all the fuss about and why he said... I mean, as I say, if he was threatened, if he was frightened of him or whatever, um, I could understand that. But, um, no, I, I just don't know why everyone's making such a fuss about it. Well, you, you can see that all the other... Um stars, if you like, on the TV and in the BBC and, and maybe the radio as well, um, are all quickly trying to make sure that people don't think it's them. So until they actually come up with a name, everybody's under scrutiny, you know, exactly. so, so the, I mean, job done, you're making the BBC look bad again. Um, uh, just as an aside, what age do you think a child should have a phone? A child? 
Do you mean somebody under 16? Well, any age that we consider... You see, I'm thinking uh, they've been trying to consider uh, and give us the idea that children maybe of the age of nine can assign themselves a new gender and go into hospital and, and have all those terrible procedures. Now, if we put that to one side as a bad enough issue, uh, I mean, there's no way that a child of nine should be making those sorts of decisions. But what about having a phone? Is, well, <laughs> is that not a bad thing also um, at the age of nine? Well, when when all these mobile phones first started, um, you know, parents used to say, oh, you're not going to have a phone till you're at least 12 till you go to senior school, which is in England and I suppose Spain as well. But now it's dropped down to, we know people who have got a, f- or a child who's got a phone, um, I think 10. And the reason being uh, that the parents say that we can get in touch with her if she needs to be in touch with us or we need to be in touch with her. But having said that, uh, you're not... uh, uh, Students aren't allowed to use their phone in class. So I don't really think that is um, sort of a good excuse. But um, to give them the phone is really opening the door to lots of other things, isn't it? And... At, at a young age, they know how to do lots of things that maybe an older person wouldn't dream of uh, finding out, like lots of different apps and all this carry on. Um, and parent guidance, parental um, guidance on uh, blocking certain things. I think some children and some definitely some students, they know how to unblock and things like that. So it can be very dangerous and it can also be very uh, useful um, so there's two ways of looking at everything, isn't there? I was talking to another of our podcasters, uh, Mitch Clark, and Mitch is in Melbourne, and I was explaining to her that when we went to Australia 2013, uh, it was absolutely the pits just to see everybody with the phones walking around like zombies. And I remember saying to you, I hope that doesn't come to Spain. So, I mean, it took about another five years before it got as bad as we saw in Australia. I think the worst one with the phones for me is walking along, um, going crossing over the road, literally crossing a road with earphones in and looking at a phone. I just think, I know it'll never go back to the way it used to be, but if you're out of the house and somebody wants to get in touch with you, we used to have an answer phone or we'd wait um, until the, the person came in. But now it, everything's got to be instant. If somebody phones you, no matter what situation you're in, what time or anything, um, you've got to answer that phone straight away. You can't, they don't seem to be able to take a break from it. I mean, really, it is an addiction. It, it's definitely another It's an intrusion. Another, another, well, it's an intrusion, but it's also an addiction with lots of young people. It's an, an addiction for the people that can't get off the phone, but it's also yeah. an intru- intrusion when other people seem to think you should be at their beck and call whatever time during well, the day. You can always not answer. And, uh, you know, quite often I, I don't answer because I know it's not going to be important. But the younger generation, they just can't resist. And they can't resist to answer. And also, there's silly little things like on TikTok and Facebook and Telegram and Messenger. I mean, all these things have got to be answered, as far as they're concerned, straight away. And it's very, very important. Whereas I think for the older generation, 
um, it's still not that important. And you might look at your phone every day for about half an hour to check your WhatsApps and your messenger, uh, Facebook. But there's so many different apps now that the youngsters use. It just goes on and on and on. Okay, we've got Joe Biden arriving in the uh, UK. So there's been a call at some time. Okay, so the headlines, uh, always trying to write to either make us annoyed or attract us to clickbait or whatever. Joe Biden, who's been accused of being anti-British, visits the King at Windsor Castle on first visit to UK since missing the coronation after staying just 42 minutes at number 10. And uh, so uh, we've got a picture of uh, all this going on and uh, apparently he's accused of uh, not keeping to the the protocol. Uh, Seen shaking hands with the 74-year-old monarch, he's 80 now, uh, before they made their way to the castle lawn for a rendition by the US National Anthem, courtesy of the Welsh Guards. And uh, then they've changed the headline a little bit, uh, but they were getting uh, saying that, you know, it wasn't protocol because he was two steps ahead of King Charles. Now, I don't know about you, something like that really does get up my nose that, you know, uh, who the heck are these people who reckon the royal? Uh, For me, look in your history books. You'll find it's a family who have got up to a bit more mischief than the next one. And um, they've done pretty well by it ever since. So I am anti-royal. I'm not totally an anti-royalist because I do feel there are parts of the British thing in particular that look lovely. I mean, we we were watching a programme about the Tower of London last night and I've got to say... Um, I learned quite a lot about it and uh, there's a special room in the Tower of London where the um, the papers are concealed. There's probably kilometres of papers down there and um, they were showing you that um, they did have uh, a way of spying on uh, people that were prisoners and in fact um, they were just listening in on two Uh, Germans who were talking and found out something that uh, was quite um, alarming and obviously that's the only way they got the information. When it comes to this business of him, uh, Biden, walking two steps ahead of Prince Charles, I mean, does anything like that cross your mind as being, (laughs) you know, particularly interesting? Uh, It's ridiculous because obviously in America they don't have um, a king or a queen Uh, never have done, never will do. So their sort of um, protocols aren't exactly the same as English. But to to actually do that, make a big fuss about that, you know, it it doesn't worry me if somebody's two two steps ahead of me. He's not not the Lord, uh, he's not God, is he, that you have to sort of bow down to him. He's He's another human being. And uh, to sort of criticise Biden for doing that, I think it's very, very petty. 
Very petty. I think what was more revealing from what we saw on the TV, because obviously what we do is we see things on the new, on the news bulletin. Uh, so we look at the way that's presented. Then we look in the papers to see the way they're written up and look for the little bits that uh, maybe are being hidden from people in the general sense or maybe presented differently. Now, the thing that it, uh, took my attention was you saw Downing Street and you saw about eight massive gas-guzzling cars yeah. coming down uh, to, to bring Biden down to Downing Street. And I have to say, um, to have everybody telling us that we've all got to change our, um, our, our ways of having our cars because basically it's fossil, fossil fuel and climate change is being affected, etc., etc., it's utter nonsense to see Biden turn up with a with a fleet of cars. Well, exactly. I mean, how many how many bodyguards do you need? Plus the fact every car will take five people: three in the back, two in the front. Um, so they could have um, ten. Uh, one car in the front and one car behind. They don't need a fleet of cars. I'd love to know if they were electric. I don't know. But even if they weren't electric, there's still a fleet of cars for one man. I mean, um, if somebody really did want to assassinate him, I'm sure uh, when he gets out the car, and by the time everybody else got out of their car, it could be uh, done and dusted. But, you know, that's thinking of, like the worst thing that could happen. But as you say, to have this fleet of cars behind him, it's just ridiculous. Well, then uh, they go on in the uh, news bulletin to show you uh, uh, Rishi Sunak having a cup of tea with Joe Biden, all very civilised, in the back garden of number 10 Downing Street. Uh, But uh, then it goes on to tell us in the paper, but ignores plea on Ukraine cluster bombs and PM Dodgers raising US push for EU chief to head NATO. Okay, that becomes very political, etc. I wanted to just ask your opinion about these cluster bombs. Uh, have you seen what the presenter had as, and uh, I mean, just um, what do you think of them? Well, I don't like the whole thing, obviously, like thousands of other people. I wish it would just finish and... Putin and uh, the Ukraine uh, guy would just agree to do, uh, not to to finish everything. I mean, it's going on and on. I'm, I'm sure Russia thought that they would just bombard and go straight in. A couple of months later, it would be uh, Russia again. Ukraine would be taken over, but it's not that it hasn't happened. But in the meantime, thousands of people have been killed, men on both sides. And it just, to me, feel I just feel that it's just pointless. And to have these cluster bombs now, I mean, who? I just don't know. I well, mean, it's who, who is who is protecting who? You know, that that's what I would it's say. It's a question of, I mean, the, it, it's like these uh, scientists and people that develop weapons. They're never satisfied. Exactly. You know, the yes. minute you've got uh, a, a, an evil bomb that's going to do more mischief than the previous one, it's got to then have a cluster so that, you know, you've got people all around uh, uh, different parts of the area where the first bomb's been dropped can be well, damaged a, as well. But that's expression. Uh, lessons must be learned. I mean, you only have to think about Hiroshima and how what devastation that caused, and people still think about it. Well, we haven't learned and, lessons, have we? And we haven't learned lessons. If if people, you know, these people think, oh, cluster bomb, we'll 
you know, we'll kill another few hundred thousand people. I just, for, for me, war is just pointless these days, you know. Okay, looking at the other headlines, here we go. Okay, this is a nasty one. Pupil stabs teacher at secondary school. Adult is rushed to hospital and teenage boy is arrested with classes in lockdown. This is at Tewkesbury, I think that's Gloucestershire, in the town of the same name at around 9.10 this morning with a report that a pupil had stabbed a teacher. If it's 9.10, he's gone in with the idea of doing it, hasn't he? You know, you've only been in school 10 minutes. It looks like it's premeditated. Um, it looks like he obviously doesn't like the teacher. It looks like he's been told off by the teacher. L- lots of things. But at the end of the day, he does not does not stab her or anybody. I mean, this is what, what uh, is happening these days. People can't have an ar- a, a, a verbal argument without thinking they've either got to shoot the person or, or uh, stab the person. I mean, in our day, you could have a verbal argument and that would not be the end of it, but that would be it. But now it's two, one, two, three steps ahead of that. I mean, you can't have even have a disagreement with, with anybody uh, without worrying what they're going to do to you in these. It only I would say in big cities, America included, obviously, but to have a... Um, Tewkesbury's well, not not massive. No, but have a to have a disagreement with anybody, and especially a teacher, uh, it's just. And, and when you say amazing. our day, we're not really talking that far past. Uh, really, this is just um, uh, an extension of what you'd expect to have happened in America, exactly. but never to have happened in Britain, isn't it? That's what I mean. America, unfortunately, have had mass. Uh, assassination, you know, mass um, people coming in and killing loads of students, for instance, and teachers and all that. And it shocks us. Uh, terrible. But you just never thought that it would start happening in England. I just, it's quite un- unbelievable, really. Uh, then we go across to BBC broadcaster Nikki Campbell describes distressing weekend after social media users wrongly uh, speculated that he was the star at the centre of teen sex pics scandal. I can understand why he should be distressed. I I mean, he's doing, he's normally doing very serious type of programmes, you know, and and he would be investigating something like that, wouldn't he? But it's like, it's like a lot of things, isn't it? I mean, going back, um, who would have thought that... um, well, who would have thought Jimmy Savile for a start? Who would have thought of what was the Australian Vince? I can't think of his name. Oh, Rolf Harris. Rolf. Who who would have thought Rolf Harris? I mean, for God, for goodness' sake, he's been in in the uh, the palace and painted the Queen. He's sung in front of students. He's had children's programs with the painting. It never in a month of Sundays I would have thought he was like that. But again, whoever this presenter is. I think he should come out and say, you know, whoever he is, or they should tell people, because now, as this Nicky Campbell said, everybody's under scrutiny. Everyone's thinking, oh, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? I don't know why they don't just Let's name him. Let's just um, think about this, because I think there, there is a reticence by the BBC to name somebody, because obviously uh, they're not probably worried about that particular person. They're more worried about not having to be, um, you know, fined um, and taken to court and all this sort of thing. The point still remains, though, that 
all the speculation and everything does tend tend to mean people become guilty before the proven innocent. It's the way that that things well, have gone. I, I think in this case, he when I say guilty, I keep saying that at seventeen, you can have sex at seventeen. He, as the boy or the, the student or whoever he is, he's agreed to do the photographs. Um, I don't really understand why it's. Um, I don't even think it's against the law. We're, we're speculating because until we get more clarity, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're both uh, speculators. So yeah. let's not speculate. Let me just go to the way that the papers are presented these days because, uh, Ian, you know, I, I said the other week, it's as you read in the paper, you've got videos imposing themselves on you. But more importantly, you've got, say, the story of the uh, pupil stabbing the teacher and underneath you've got Facebook uh, with shares and then the number that it's been shared and the side then you can click on and it can take you to a video so you can go to the actual scene of the crime sort of thing. I mean, how much do we really need to have those type of details? Well, I think sometimes, in some, in definitely in some situations, like with the police, um, the police, uh, I think, in most circumstances now, they can film exactly what they're doing. Basically, I think it's if it goes to court or they said that the police did something that they didn't do, they've got evidence that it's, it's on camera, so there's no way it can be uh, disputed. I think cameras in general uh, in the streets and in the shopping centres and everywhere really have been a godsend for the police in catching, in catching people. Um, no, I think cameras are very good. Um, if you haven't done anything wrong, you've got nothing to worry about. Okay, but my point wasn't that. My point is that reading a newspaper, you used to just read a newspaper. And then you would personalise the information. And if we, later in the day you went out, you might say to somebody, I was, telling, I was reading in the paper, and you'd explain. Here, you've got a button now which tells you straight away you've got to share it with everybody else. And then a number of shares and all this sort of stuff. And then if you did really need to see the gory details, you've got to immediately click on that and you go off to see the gory details. I mean, really, we've taken news from being uh, received news as to act and acting on news that we're being given without knowing whether it's factual or not. No, I, 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 a little, I, I, I don't know. I, I disagree a little bit because, um, as I say, if it's on film, it's it's evidence, isn't it? It's it's happened. Yeah, but it doesn't they have can't. to be shared. Nobody has to share the news. One of the things that's making well, I don't the know. I think it's I think it's good to share because then you know what's going on around you, especially if it's something local. Um, you know, you you know instantly maybe who that person is. Okay. Um, I think we'll agree to disagree. I think people should read the news and inform themselves. I don't necessarily think that it's healthy to then just spread the news, uh, especially when we're not really sure what the news is telling us. But that's just part of the reason why we do this podcast, as we look at a picture of some very young, I would say... 17 or 18 year olds looking out of a bus window and the caption or the headline smiling migrant gives surf hand symbol as coach leaves Manston processing center as Downing Street warns number of people crossing the channel in small boats could spike over summer.
Now, um, my feeling straight away is I keep saying this from what my eyes tell me. This is an invading army. It's not necessarily people, migrants. Um, sorry, I am not really too sure whether or not we're being smiling migrant. I always thought, um, you know, that this idea of the migrant has got to be whether it's somebody legally trying to enter into the country. It appears now that we're not seeing pictures of people on the beach and taken into a particular centre. We're, we're seeing more a picture of somebody who's being given a coach trip to somewhere else. Um, you know, I don't really understand how you can get somebody entering the country illegally and the next minute they're being taken off on a coach and they're looking as happy as Larry. Um, you know, what is going on in your, to your perception? Well, the, the only thing is, for me, it's gone on too long and too many are coming in. There, come, there comes a time when, uh, you know, that you can only take so many. Uh, plus, the, the public are getting fed up of it. I know that, for, you know, for us, you know, first hand. Uh, everyone's got a good heart. Everyone doesn't want people living in uh, dangerous situations. But there comes a time that you just can't take everybody. I mean, all these governments and that are all saying they're going to stop, you know, organise it more. England saying that they're going to process the uh, asylum seekers more. I mean, some of them have been here well over a year, um, or there, sorry, in England, and there's no way there's anything's been processed. I mean, everything just seems to be a bit slow. But the the main thing is, I think there's too many even now for people to under to be more sympathetic. People were sympathetic, I think, a few years ago when they were coming, and oh, you know, they've come from a bad place, and we've got to look after them. Now people are saying they're taking over. I mean, to go into hotels that people used to go on holiday, which is coming up now, which is the holiday season. People are saying that they can't book into holidays because they're full of uh, migrants. Uh, and this is when people uh, start getting annoyed about it because people say, you know, enough's enough. You know, we could help so many thousands, but not over and more and more. And, um, you know, I just think it's gone on too long. Too many boys or men, not enough families coming over. Um, and people are seeing now that it's uh, just a, a never-ending story. Never-ending story, isn't it? It's just happening day after day. Well, the Agenda 2030 has a website on every country's uh, national website. And it does explain that they are trying to re uh, repopulate Europe. And they th the, these people who are planning all this seem to think that these migrants will work. It doesn't appear to me that they're going to be working. It doesn't appear to me that they want to be working. And also they com they're complaining about their accommodation. They complain that the food's not the same as her, as where they've come from. I mean, they've come from a, a supposedly a bad place to a far, far better place. And they're still not happy. Uh, and as you say, work. I mean, how many people are out of work in England or France or wherever? There's... there's um, there's lots of people already out of work. So this thing about them working, I, I, I agree. I, I don't think they want to work. They just want to uh, get money for doing nothing, basically. And okay. that's why people are getting annoyed, because they've paid into a system. They haven't paid one penny. Here's the next one.
Okay, so Ricky Valerie Coll. Uh, this is a picture I'm looking at. Uh, left uh, after gender affirmation surgery. Looked like a picture of confidence when she beamed at the crowd and a crown delicately placed on her head. The 22-year-old became the first transgender woman to be crowned Miss Netherlands on Saturday. But behind that smile is someone who, in her own words, knows better than anyone what it's like to feel alone. Becoming a woman was not easy for everyone, and Ms. Cole admits that she suffered greatly from it. Uh, she was so determined to become a girl, she changed her name from Rick to Ricky at the age of just 11. Convinced she was born in the wrong body, but then faced years of bullying which saw her come home from school and cry day after day. I don't know about you, I am becoming, shall we say, more than confused, which of course is what you'd expect uh, to be going on, because, you know, like a lot of other people, I would say that I've had a very good education. I know the difference between a male and a female, and now they're trying to tell me that a transgender woman uh, has just been crowned Miss Netherlands. So, um, I'm going to put all my feelings and thoughts to one side and ask a woman for what do you think of all that? Well, well, firstly, um, I would think um, a woman born as a woman might be quite disgruntled about that because, um, you know, you've been a female from the day you were born and a beautiful girl or, or whatever. Uh, and then for somebody to pass you over... Um, to win a title who was born a boy and is now a woman. Um, I think it's politics again. I think it's something that um, the judges would have known she's transgender and they think, I know it sounds awful, but I think they were sort of, let's make a transgender woman, um, Miss Netherlands. You know, that'll, uh, you know, cause a bit of, uh, a bit of uh, fuss and everything. But for a, a woman who's very pretty and born a woman, I think it must have been quite very degrading for them to think that somebody could pass them over. And I, I don't dis, I don't understand transgender. But if she says from the age of eleven she knew she wanted to, you know, she she thought she was a girl and all that. Yeah, fair enough. But you you can't still can't. I don't. I don't think you can still put yourself as a full time, a fully fledged woman against a transgender woman, and the same with a man. Um, you can't because you're physically different inside, um, you know, and all that, and you can't compare the two. They should have a transgender competition. They should have a transgender sports day. But I don't think there's that many. I mean, I really don't think there's if you've many got to use to talk about. if you've got to use surgeons' equipment to change people, then obviously on the physical side you could do what would appear to be the right thing. Um, you know, if you just work in terms of. Um, you know, modelling, if you like, and, and uh, changing to a, a male, to a female or whatever. But what you'll never be able to do is appropriate the brain um, and what's going on in the brain and the thinking process. And of course, as you point out, the inside of somebody. I've got to say, um, it always is 
quite difficult if you hear of anybody who's coming home from school as an 11 year old um, crying day in and day out. I mean, you know, obviously you've got to take a little bit of the politics away from it and think of the person. But where does that leave anybody uh, in those small numbers? Let's get the Let's get the terminology a little bit closer as well. Very small numbers of people who will have changed from A to B or from B to A. The problem really is that no matter how much scientists and uh, other people try to um, make us all change the way that we perceive this, most people are fairly okay with the fact that when a child is born, the doctor, the medical staff, all the people that are there at the birth will know that there is a boy or a girl. Now, without knowing it, uh, you then will be brought up um, the way that your mother and father perceive you uh, to be needed to be brought up. Of course, of course, what's made things a little bit different as well is that we have couples now uh, who are of the same gender who basically feel that, um, you know, they've missed out on the process so they can bring children and bring them up, and which you can't get a balance in that. No matter how much you try to convince me, if you've got two females bringing up a child or two males bringing a child up, the balance isn't the same as a man and a woman. That's exactly, I think that's where I I, um, can't understand that, that if they don't want to be... Like the, especially two men, and they want to be clusters, uh, him and her, or whatever it is, the male and the female of a man. How on earth do they want to have children? It is it just astounds me, really, um, and adopt them and things like this, and also two two women. I just can't understand it really. But I don't think women. Um, Ever, whether you've changed to be a man, whether you lose that um, inter, um, in instinct, maternal instinct, I don't know. But that's what I mean. If you haven't lost your maternal instinct and you've changed to be a man or the man's situation, how can you say that you're a man when you've still got maternal instincts? Well, surely, I don't really understand that. Surely the, the carrying of the child... Uh, the knowledge that as the father you've got to go out and provide for the mm. family, the knowledge for the mother that, you know, for a number of years you've got to dedicate your life to first one child, then possibly two or three children. Um, you, you, you know, I, I think that there's a bigger process that's being overlooked. By all means, uh, if people think you can just chop and change, that's the physical entity uh, concluded, but or at least, you know, tampered with. But when it comes to actually the commitment to children and family, I go back to what I've read in the Communist Party manifesto, which told everybody quite clearly that if you want to defeat capitalism, you defeat the family. And I'm thinking there's a lot more of that than really people are being led to believe. Yeah, but I'd, I'd like to know. I don't know anybody in this situation, but I'd love to know male or female uh, couples, um, same sex, what do they say to the adopted child or even a surrogate mother? Because some of them are, are uh, they actually give birth, if it's a woman, obviously. Um, what to, how do they explain to a child when it's able that why they've got two mummies, why they've got two daddies? I'd love to know what the, not their excuse, but the reason 
for not having a male in the house or a female, another female in the house. Uh, It's almost like people don't seem to accept anymore that there are certain things in life that you can't have. There are certain things that you can't do. Um, I mean, it's all very well thinking positive and saying, oh, yes, anybody can do it. You can't. Not everybody is the same. You've got your right hemisphere and your left hemisphere. Mm -hmm. You've you've got your your gender, whether you're going to dispute it for hours on on end. You're either a male or a female. I think think the... The, uh, the, the what you're just saying then is very much is for two men. If two men have decided they want to be together, there's no way, I think, in my thinking, that they should have children because they've decided they don't want a woman in their life or a, a female. They don't want to have a natural birth of a woman. Uh, so I think it's wrong for a, uh, two men to have children. Now, in the case of two women, two women could have one of them could have changed to be um, uh, a lesbian. You know, late on, like a lot of people get married and they realise they're not, you know, that type of person, and they give birth naturally. To me, that that is still a bit strange. But the two men uh, together have decided they want to be together. I don't think they should even think of having a family. I think they should just be happy with the way they are. Put it this way. If you've got uh, little children in the house and you're then going to uh, obviously put them in the bath and put them in bed and everything, uh, then really... I am now thinking, hang on, if it was me, I'd be thinking straight away, well, I've got to be very, very hugely careful because you can easily be uh, identified as a paedophile. I mean, you know, surely that's what paedophilia is about, messing up. Yeah, but that's what I was saying before. What do they tell these children when they're capable of uh, understanding? You know, what do they say, you know, when they go to school, for instance? uh, Oh, what's mummy doing? Where's your mummy? What does the child say then? Does she, he or she say, well, I've got two daddies uh, because? Because they must have a reason. Is they it just a question of building up numbers so that eventually we all have to just kowtow? That's a Chinese expression, by the way. And uh, just remember, there's only one country that's ever passed legislation saying that you can only have one child. Uh, is that a coincidence or is it just me uh, with my suspicious mind? I'm going to go on to the next one. Here it comes. <laughs> This one was interesting because there's a picture of uh, a nice guy with a little girl and then there's a, la- a, a lad on the right with about one, two, three, four, five, six children. Um, I mean, basically, uh, the caption is Builder, who was fined £360 for taking his three children on a term-time holiday to Turkey, now demands teachers pay up for the same amount for going on strike. And I think this guy's got a point. Reading just below, uh, the builder has fined the teachers of his three children for going on strike after he was hit with £360 penalty for taking the family holiday to Turkey during term time. Wesley, a 42-year-old, was fined when he took his son, uh, Jai Jai, 15, and daughters Cleo, 13, and Hallie, um, off, who's five-year-old, off to Turkey. He and wife Stacy treated their family to a 10-day all-inclusive break last month during
during the school term. The holiday cost 7000 uh, but Mr Joyce says the same trip would have cost up to £12,000 in the school holidays. When the family returned home to Worcester, um, they received a letter say, stating they faced a £360 fine. So that's uh, his answer to this is... Well, I'm going to find the teachers for taking time off. And I've got, as a teacher, I think he's right. Well, I, I think he's right as well. And I think this idea of finding you, if you take your children out of school, we've been, we've been uh, not accused, but we've done that. And, and especially because of the price of holidays when in school term. And we said to the teachers, when it wasn't like this, we said... We will make sure they do a diary, which we had a new book, and we had every day uh, a diary that they had to say what they did every day, write it down, uh, collect uh, postcards, which I don't think they have now, but postcards of where we've been, um, and do a little bit of teaching every single day. And when they came back to school, they presented it to the teacher, and it was like a scrapbook, wasn't it, really? So, um, you know, things about nature, everything. But I don't think there's anything wrong if someone can't afford to go on holiday in that six or seven weeks of uh, of the school time. Why the heck should they be penalised for taking their own children on? Again, we always used to say it's educational for a child to go on holiday. Okay, but I think you're missing culture. You're missing the point for me of where I agree with the builder. Oh, no, I definitely agree. I definitely agree that I mean, it should if, be fine. If, if these teachers think that they can go on strike during the time that the children, term, it's yeah. supposed to be so sacrosanct and nobody else can do anything or they'll get fined, and it's hypocrisy, isn't it? Yeah, because the family's concerned. Uh, you know, if you, try, if you haven't got grandparents or a friend, you, you've got to go to work, you've got to arrange all that. Yeah, you're very much inconvenienced. And I do agree. I said, if they can do that, what is, you know, not everybody goes on holiday in term time. Not, I mean, you're, you're not talking about loads of people. And what, what hurt, harm does it do for 10 days? Nothing. Well, for me, I think that um, it's the same as a lot of other things that have been going on in society. You can't have your cake and eat it. If you can't give a good example, you can't then criticise other people for uh, doing something that you don't uh, accept as a good example. And obviously it starts at the very top. The um, afraid the politicians, starting with the Prime Minister, don't know how to behave. Uh, then when you get down to the unions, the unions don't know how to behave because basically they don't care. All they're caring about is uh, creating mayhem, which again is in line with my thinking that this is all contrived. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm with the builder on this one. Exactly. I, I think these uh, petty fines, you know, it, it's just it's just not necessary. Uh, absolutely not necessary. And going back to our own children, we, we came to Spain, we went to France. They even did a little language thing about learning. It's an It can be an educational thing to bring your child ab abroad. And as I say, what would a week or 10 days uh, make any difference to any school, school term time? Uh, nothing at all. OK, let's uh, find the next one, which uh, looks suspiciously like this. Uh, 
Okay, uh, so um, I've mentioned this in other podcasts that we do about the fact that while you're reading a newspaper today, uh, not only are you busy sharing things and making comments and videoing, uh, looking to see the video, uh, there's a video that is very, very distracting, which will come on uh, in the right-hand corner of the paper. And then you've got uh, a video right in front of me where I'm seeing shocking moment brought breaks out aboard a ferry as man grabs serving tongs to defend himself and passengers try to break up the chaos while terrified onlookers scream in, in holler, horror. Um, so uh, this is uh, a huge fight breaking out on a ferry and uh, I'm thinking it's got to be either over to the continent or across to Ireland. So the mass brawl broke out on Saturday, July the 8th during a trip from Dublin in Ireland to Holyhead in Wales. Now, although the footage is unclear, the video appears to show a man in an Adidas top using salad tongs to defend himself as he's being mobbed before the fight was eventually separated on the Irish ferry service. Terrified family and friends can also be heard screaming while other passengers are calmly sat down watching the chaos unfold. It's unknown why the passengers were fighting, but the ferry was forced to turn back to Dublin just 20 minutes into the journey. Now, we've been on these big ferry boats. Um, that would be very, very frightening to some people, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, because I mean, we had three kids and uh, we, we allowed them to sort of wander away from us because it was you know safe, as we thought. Uh, we knew that they were on the boat, but they, you know, they'd wander off a bit, um, go to the play areas and things like that. It's supposed to be a lovely, pleasurable, pleasurable um, experience for children and adults. I mean, what, we don't know why the fight started, but it just, you know, it's happening everywhere in every situation. I'm just sick of it, really. But, um, you know, why can't people just, you know, just carry on? And, well, pretty uh, pretty sure there'll be a little bit of a, uh, alcohol around. I mean... Yeah, somebody said something. But again, why do things, pr why do things escalate? into violence that's what i can't understand when you know we've seen people having vi visible um yeah not visible uh, verbals. Or, uh, verbal sorry mm. ver verbal arguments and you know you can let it let off steam but it was never a case of having to go that step further and hit them or stab them or whatever it's just gone beyond the pale now isn't it really it's just gone it's escalated far too far too fast forward for me People don't seem to be just normal people anymore. Everyone's angry. Not everyone, but people are ang more angry. OK, just a couple more to finish off with. From drug mule to glamorous graduate. How Michaela McCollum, 30, embraced the spotlight to tell her story after being jailed in Peru for smuggling £1.5 million worth of cocaine and now is a jet-setting mother of two. So I'll... Uh, just quickly look at the pictures, which obviously um, it's more like a strip tease show. And it describes the 30-year-old mother of two from Dungannon, Northern Ireland, has turned her life around after she was arrested and jailed in 2013 in Lima. This is Peru for smuggling the cocaine, who was 20-year-old at the time of her arrest, sentenced to six years and eight months in a notorious maximum security prison um, in Peru in 2015. She was released after...
after serving half of a sentence before she returned to Ireland the following year. Since coming home, she's become a mother of two and looks very different to her pre-prison days. Um, with her last week, it revealed she'd received a diploma from the University of Ulster and is off to work in recruitment. And she also saw the story made into a five-part Netflix BBC documentary. Are we surprised? Are we surprised? Yeah. Uh, firstly, I've got absolutely no sympathy for it. Anybody um, doing the drugs, um, trying to bring them into another country, know exactly what they're doing and they know exactly the consequences. And they all they can think of is if they get away with it, they'll make a lot of money. So that's the first thing. I, I totally agree that she should have gone to jail. And are we surprised that she's come home after serving half of their sentence and she, uh, Netflix want to make it? Uh, surprise, surprise, they want to make a film about her a terrible uh, story, but was self-inflicted. I'm sorry, I've got absolutely no sympathy for anybody that um, goes to these horrible prisons in another country because they know, they know exactly the consequence. Well, they might already they have caught. ruined other people's lives. Well, exactly. We will never know that, will they we? They do it for money and they get caught and then they start whinging. So I'm sorry, I don't see any sympathy there. And also, are we surprised that Netflix are going to do a film? So she's going to make money anyway. So, you know, she's, uh, she's served her sentence or she's served half of the sentence. And then she's still going to come out with ro uh, smelling of roses, isn't she? Our last one is British tourists fume as towels are taken away from reserved lounges by Mallorca hotel staff. But others praise pool police for clamping down on selfish behaviour. So you've got a video running of this uh, Mallorca hotel and it requires via the policy that no sunbeds be reserved before 10 o'clock, meaning that staff remove any towels belonging to tourists who don't adhere to the rule. A clip of the sunbed wall showed staff walking along the poolside and gathering up any towels left by holidaymakers, intending to reserve groups of chairs. Two workers at the Pretour Playa Cala Mayor Hotel snatches up the hotel towels, uh, bunching them in their arms and taking them away in what appeared to be an effort to put a stop to what has been dubbed by some as selfish behaviour. Um, OK, your thoughts on that well, last one? definitely, I think it's selfish. We've been on holidays. We've been on holidays in uh, hotels, you know, all-inclusive. And you see all the towels down there eight o'clock in the morning, you know, and no, nobody around the pool, but there's towels. I'm thinking, oh, that's funny, you know. Um, and obviously they're, they're, they think to reserve. If they want to reserve or they want to have a, uh, if they want a poolside um, sunbed, get out of your bed, get down there and sleep on the sunbed. You know, you don't, you, you haven't got a God-given right to re reserve a sunbed. Some bed, sorry, till ten, ten thirty. When you decide you want to get out of bed, no, I'm, I'm with it. I'm with the staff on this. If you want to, uh, a nice seat, you get down there early and you sit on it. You used know. to always be um, Brits talking about the Germans, the Germans putting the towels down. Now it's it seems to be everybody. You know, I think, uh, and and it's good on the hotel, and all hotels should do it, and it should be notices everywhere that no, but no, no sunbed can be reserved. Okay. 
All right, well, that's about it for a look at the headlines. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other things. Uh, there was that tragic story about those two young Irish lads who died um, on one of the Greek islands. But unfortunately, it's just the whole thing is all about, uh, I think it's all just trying to depress people. Or is it the news just being the way it's always been? Well, I think the news, as everyone knows, is instant. I mean, before, we, we might not have known about certain things, especially in, in other parts of the world. But now you, d- you know about it within hours or, or more or less, uh, you know, uh, breaking news. Um, so, yes, I think it's because we know things a lot quicker. And is it better to know or not to know? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, really, you know. I don't know. Okay, I've not managed to trap you because if you'd have said, uh, yes, it's better to know, uh, that would uh, go in line with your comments about sharing underneath the article. But never mind. (laughs) Let's leave it at that. Uh, Thank you once again and uh, catch you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Have a good week. Bye.